When Karen and I lived in California, we lived about two hours north of the Mexican border. And one of our favorite things to do was, whenever we could get our time off at the same time, is go to this little seaside town called Rosarito, this beautiful little beach community. So several years ago, some friends of ours had invited us to officiate a wedding for them. And as a thank you, they got us a few extra nights stay at this hotel. Now the hotel wasn't extravagant by any means, but where it was, was what made it so beautiful. So if you can imagine this hotel perked on top of a cliff about 300 feet above sea level. Our alarm in the morning, because we would open up the sliding glass balcony doors, our alarm wasn't that annoying phone alarm that wakes up everybody in the house, but rather our alarm was the sound of the crashing waves. It was the sun illuminating the sky with those beautiful colors. It was the smell of the, of the salt in the sea that would wake us up. It was beautiful. It had one of those infinity pools, and those are those pools that are always on top of a cliff or some kind of high place, and you come up to the edge and it feels like you're gonna fall off, but thankfully there's a glass there that's holding the water in. And one of the neat things about this place was, if you wanted to take a walk on the beach, there was actually a staircase that you could walk all the way down, and, and it was one of those picturesque moments like you, they have in the movies, where it's just you're walking along the beach in this romantic walk. It was like the perfect place. It was our little sanctuary getaway from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. And we would go there as often as we could. But here's the thing is, as often as we would go down there, and I've been in Mexico hundreds of times in my life, every time I would cross over the border, I always realized I didn't really belong there. Like it doesn't matter that I looked like I could live there. My parents were both born and raised in Mexico. It doesn't matter that I speak the language. It doesn't matter that so much of the Mexican culture has actually made me into I am who I am today. Like I always knew that I was just a stranger, like passing through. And I think everyone there also knew that I wasn't from there. And whenever I crossed into Mexico, like I didn't stop being a citizen of the US and become a Mexican citizen. Like I always carried with me my citizenship. And with it, we always carry these kinds of expectations or the way we think things should be. So when things are a little bit off, we're like, oh, that's not how things are back home. And even if you've gone on overseas or to another country, as beautiful as it is, I think most of us always long for home. I know whenever I've been in a different country, as much as I've enjoyed it, as much as I loved it, there was always this sense of, I still long for home. I can't wait to be home. See, the Bible uses this metaphor. Well, actually, it's a, it was real for the Old Testament, but we use it as a metaphor today. But this, this theme of exile, and exile is any time that we feel like we are a stranger in a strange land. Now, Paul in Philippians chapter 3, he says that our citizenship is in heaven. So as much as I love going into Mexico, I always knew that I was just passing through and eventually going back home to California. And just as Mexico wasn't my home, the Bible tells us that this earth, that this version of earth's history, like, isn't where and how we'll spend eternity. That's why Paul says in Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven. 
And when we think about this exile, this metaphor of exile, it's any time that we feel displaced or dislocated. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when things are just going so badly that I think to myself, I can't wait until Jesus comes back. I can't wait until God renews and restores all of creation. I can't wait until I get to live in this, in what the Bible calls the new earth. Because then things will be at their very best. And I don't know about you, but in the last seven weeks of the shelter in place, there have been times in my life where I just long to see the coming of Christ and the renewal of all things. So when Paul says that you and I are citizens of heaven, the question that we must then begin to wrestle with is like, what does it mean to live in a place that really isn't our final destination, in a land that really isn't our own? What does it look like to live as citizens of heaven in this time and this place? And one of the most simple answers to this very complex question is that the one thing that we can begin to do as strangers in this strange land is to tap in to the Ruach or the Spirit of God. You know, the Bible talks about the Spirit of God almost like the wind, where no one knows where it comes from or where it goes. No one can capture the wind. No one really has power over the wind. And so it describes that the Spirit of God is this movement in our lives that continually wills and purposes the very best in our lives. And we might even be able to say that to the Spirit of God, there's a certain kind of cadence or rhythm to the flow and Spirit of God. You know, if you can think of your favorite song, there's something about our favorite music that we keep coming back to year after year because it does something in us. And and every, every song has a certain kind of cadence, a certain kind of rhythm, a certain kind of melody, the words that are attached to the song. Like, there's just so much of this music that just has a way of captivating our imagination and our feelings. And if a song can do that for us, can you imagine what it looks like to learn to live into the rhythm of the presence and the Spirit of God? This entire sermon series that we're currently on, Cadences of Hope, is acknowledging that while we live on this earth, we're technically strangers in a strange land. That while we're living in this time and this place, we know that this is not the way our final destination will look. And so the questions that we are trying to ask is, how do we tap in to the cadences of hope? the cadences of heaven, the cadence of learning to live in flow and in sync with the Spirit of God, the cadence of what does it look like to be a citizen of heaven while living in this earth today. And you know, it's really easy for us to just give in, give in to the negativity of life. When this whole shelter in place first took place, Kara and I had the TV on almost 24-7. Even if we weren't watching it, we'd be listening to it because a part of us was just wanting to know what was going on with everything that was going on all around the world. We wanted to be informed, but what we realized what was beginning to happen was that we were like giving into the negativity and the fear that was just displayed across the TV. And we realized that we had to actually curb our intake of media because unknowingly it was creating more anxiety within us. 
And as we live in this world, it's really easy to give in to the negativity or the fear that goes on all around us. It's really easy to think like, man, this whole earth, it's so terrible. Like, I just can't wait for Jesus to come. And, and it's a thought that I've had so many times, especially in the last seven weeks. Like, I long for the day when God will come to earth and renew all things and restore all of creation and then allow us to live in this new heaven, this new earth, which is a Bible writer's way of saying that everything will be made right. But if you give in to the fear and the negativity, it's really easy to take your eyes away from God and focus on the situations that are going all around you. You know, through this sermon series, we're using this metaphor of exile. This exile, because if our citizenship is in home, we are literally just strangers passing through. We're using this, this metaphor of exile because exile is any time in your life when things aren't going the way you want them to. Exile is any time you feel displaced or dislocated in your own life. Exile is any time you experience unforeseen circumstances that literally knock you on your back. Exile is any time you're experiencing pain or suffering, heartache or disease, death or loss in your life. It can be a loss of a loved one or loss of a job, loss of financial security. You name it. It can be anxiety or depression. Exile is any time... We are living our lives in a way that is other than the way God created us to live. And so that's why we want to struggle and wrestle and confront this question of what does it look like to live as citizens of heaven in a world that ultimately isn't our home? And if we just give in to the negativity, if we give in to the fear-mongering, if we just give in to all of the bad stuff that's going on in the world, it's going to be really hard to live faithfully as citizens of heaven. But as people of faith, we have this promise. We have this anchor of our faith that is found in Christ. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that as citizens of heaven, we have access to faith. And faith is the substance of the things we hope for. And it is the evidence of the things that we cannot see with our eyes. Now think about this. Faith is the substance. So if, we, if, the, if the verse just ended there, faith is the substance, then faith isn't a means to an end. Oftentimes we think that our faith is the thing that assures us of our salvation. The thing that assures us of our salvation is that Jesus Christ died and was resurrected on the third day, forgiving our sins and having power over the finality of death. But faith, faith isn't just a means to get us into heaven. Faith is an end in and it of itself. Because faith is what unlocks the power and the presence of God in our lives. Faith is the thing that allows us to have a relationship with the God of the universe. Faith is the substance. And faith is the evidence. Like, think about that for a second. Like, it's, it's not something we find outside of ourselves. But faith is that thing which God gives us to live inside our heart and our soul and as people of faith and citizens of heaven, faith is the substance of the thing we hope for. Many of us hope for being in the presence of God, distant from all the suffering and pain of this world. And the writer of the Hebrews says, oh, so you want to live in that new heaven and that new earth. Well, you don't have to wait until the day that God comes to renew all things. In fact, he says that through faith, you've been you can begin to experience the fullness and the weight 
of the presence of God in your life. Faith isn't something we cash in later. Faith is the very real reality of our relationship with God today. And it is the evidence. That's why we tell stories of all the goodness of God. That's why we read the Bible and see these stories, especially in the Old Testament, of how God comes in and rescues His people and and does things for us because those stories are what fuel our imagination and continue to allow our faith to grow and strengthen because we see what God has done and what God will continue to do. Faith being the substance is like having cash in your hand versus simply just having available credit on your credit card, right? Faith is like going to the store and buying that car, that purse, those pair of shoes, that coat, whatever it is, as opposed to just going window shopping. You see, faith isn't wishful thinking. Faith isn't hopeful thinking. Faith is the substance of the things you hope for. Faith is the evidence of that relationship you have with God. And that is why faith is crucial to live in this world that sometimes feels like it is just the sky is falling, but faith is what allows us to remain steady and anchor our lives to the one who is faithful, even through the pain, the suffering, and the uncertainty that we face in this strange land. You know, oftentimes we, when we come to the Bible and we think of Earth's history, oftentimes we start in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, if you haven't read it, is the story of Adam and Eve and how they eat of the one tree God says to not eat out of. Like God says, there's a whole buffet of food everywhere around you. Just stay away from that one tree. And what do they do? They eat from the one tree they were told not to. And by disobeying God, they send the whole world into chaos. And that's where we start the story. But you see, actually the story starts two chapters earlier in Genesis chapter 1. And now last week, we encourage you to look at that sermon or listen to that sermon on podcast. But last week, we talked about that. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But it says, the earth was a formless void. And those words in the Hebrew are tohu and bohu. Tohu is formless and bohu is void. And the Bible tells us that God speaks order over the world at that time. And and those words are often associated with chaos. Those words are often associated with disorder or, or really just the nothingness of things. And Genesis tells us that God has the power to speak order over the chaos in our lives. And I wanna keep going in that line of thinking. I wanna continue to read Genesis chapter one because I think it'll help us to understand how we live our lives as exiles in this world. Like Genesis chapter one is the pattern by which God sets how he will work and move in this world. You know, we often try to find it somewhere else and surely it'll show up in other places, but we have to start at creation because here's what's important about that. How God sets things up in creation, the pattern by which God functions at creation before the world was set into a downfall, is the pattern by which God is going to continue to work in your life today. And so Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, tells us this. Then God said, in His work of creation, let there be light, and there was light. 
and God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. So the week of creation happens over seven days. On the first day, the Bible tells us that God separates the light from the darkness. On day two, the Bible tells us that God separates the sky from the waters. On day three, God tells us that he separates the land from the water. So think about this. In the first three days of creation, the pattern of God is to separate things. The light from dark, the sky from the from the earth, the waters from the land. And then on the next three days, days four, five, and six, the Bible tells us that God then fills those days with things. So let me tell you, let me, let me break this down for you. On day one, God separates the light from the darkness. And on day four, God fills the skies with sun, moon, and stars. So there is this kind of chiastic structure. There is this kind of, of rhythm or cadence to the way God does things. So day one, right? Light and darkness, sun, moon, and stars. On day two, God separates the sea and the sky. And on the corresponding day five, God fills it with birds and fish. On day three, God separates the dry land from the waters. And on day six, God fills the land with animals and humans. The first three days of creation, where God separates things, on the second set of three days, God then fills them with the animals and with humans. And so there is this kind of rhythm to the way God does things. He separates, then He fills. And the Bible tells us that on the seventh day, God rested, He blessed the seventh day, and He made it holy. Now some of you are thinking like, what does this have to do with anything about being citizens of heaven in this earth? There is a rhythm and a cadence to the way God functions in the world. The first three days of creation, God separates things. Then the second set of days, He fills them. And then He blesses them. You know, some of you right now may be feeling like you are separated from your life. You're separated from your job. You're separated from your family. There are people who have given birth to, to their children and their grandparents haven't even be able, been able to see them because of this very real fear that they might get the disease. You know, so you might be asking, all right, what's the big deal about creation? Like, I'm still not understanding. It's that there is a certain kind of cadence to the way God functions and flows in our lives. You see, the better question to ask isn't just what does this have to do with my life, it's why was the Bible written in such a way to teach us this pattern of the way God moves in our lives? Why is it that the children of Israel would continue to tell the story of creation in such a way that had this kind of poetic rhythm to the way God creates? You know, this isn't just a story of creation. This actually becomes the way, the way by which God functions in this world. So if you go to Genesis chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, I want to show you how this, this rhythm of creation actually shows up time after time after time in the scriptures. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, who would later become Abraham, 
Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed through you. The Bible tells us that God comes to Abraham and he basically says, listen, I have this plan. I have this purpose in your life. But in order for this plan to come to fruition, you have to leave your father's house. Everything that gives you safety and stability, everything that you thought was going to be a part of your life for the rest of your life, God says, I need you to separate yourself from that and go to a land that you do not know. Think about this. Those first three days of creation, God was separating. In the story of Abraham, God is separating Abraham from the security and safety of his life so that God could then begin to do the new thing in his life. And the Bible tells us that God tells Abraham, I will separate you from your father's land and I will make you a great nation, which is the Bible writer's way of saying that Abraham would have a ton of descendants. That's why we call him Father Abraham, because we technically are his descendants. So God separates him from his father's land so that he can then fill him. And then the Bible says that he would be a blessing to all the world. Many of us are feeling separated in our own lives today. Many of us are feeling separated from our families. Kara and I were supposed to be in California earlier this month. We were gonna celebrate Everly's birthday there. I mean, it was just gonna be amazing to be with family again. But because of everything that's going on all around us, we weren't able to make that trip out of safety reasons. And so we, in many ways, feel separated. You feel separated. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you have not been able to see your own grandkids. Some of you have not been able to see your parents. And so right now, during the shelter in place, many of us are feeling separated from everything in our lives that had given us stability, safety, and security. And for many people, that might be a frightening place to be in. And I am not diminishing the very fact that some of you may be going through some extremely difficult times. But if we look to the cadence, the rhythm, the way God works in the world from the beginning of time at creation, then this time of separation, it doesn't have to be fearful. I have found myself saying things like, I can't wait until things get back to normal. And what I'm actually saying is I can't wait for all the conveniences in my life that I had before the shelter-in-place order, I can't wait till I can go back to that. And many of us are just wanting to go back to normal, but friends, I gotta tell you that if we look at Scripture and how things play out in Scripture, things will never go back to the way things were. During this time of separation, listen, maybe God was separating our lives from our normal lives, from the routine and the hustle and bustle and just the ordinariness of our life because God was needing to take us away from that, just as he took Abraham from the stability of his father's house, he needed to take us away from that so that God could fill you with the new thing that God is doing in your life. You see, we've been wanting to go back to normal, but maybe God is wanting a new normal for your life, because let's be honest, if we're honest, sometimes that old normal, it just became stale and routine. Now, I'm not saying that God caused this global pandemic. Actually, I don't believe that at all. But I think that God uses these moments in our lives of separation. And God says, finally, like, 
Like you're finally going to pay more attention. And God uses these moments of separation like he did for Abraham to do the new thing that God is going to do in your life. And so during this time of separation, you can be angry, you can be fearful, you can be anxious, you can be all the spectrum of emotions. Or you can choose to say that this time of separation is the pattern of creation from the beginning of time. It is found countless times in the Old Testament. It's found in the New Testament. And guess what? It's found in our lives today. This time of separation isn't a time of fear. But this time of separation is now the time where just like God filled Abraham with the promise of having descendants for the rest of his life, which was the best news in the Old Testament, is that God is promising to fill you. Just as God filled the earth with all the animals and the humans, God is now filling you with the thing that God is going to do next. And we have a part in this because you'll realize that whatever you fill yourself with either makes you feel better or makes you feel worse. What you fill yourself with matters. If you've ever eaten something that has made you feel sluggish or made your stomach hurt, you think to yourself, I'm not going to go back to that again. And sometimes that's what we think of when we want to go back to normal. Like we want to go back to some semblance of normal. But sometimes that's the very normal that we were complaining about and wanting God to do something new in our lives. And so what you fill yourself with and what God is filling you with will determine what the new normal will be, which I believe is going to be better than the things the way, than the way the things were. If you've ever been thirsty and, and you've drank soda, one of the things you'll notice is that it might taste good in your mouth, but you're just going to want to drink more and more soda because soda can never quench your thirst. But if you've ever had ice cold water when you're so thirsty, you realize it begins to satisfy the craving and the thirst that you have. And so in this time of separation, God is using it to fill you with the new thing he is doing. God is using this as a time to prepare you for the blessing that is coming. So I know it's difficult. I know there's a lot of fear. I know there's a lot of uncertainty. I know there's some of you who have lost jobs. I know that there are some of you who are losing family members. I know there are some of you who have family members in the hospital. And I'm not diminishing any of the realities of our lives. But for the most part, we can't control a lot of those things that are happening all around us. But what we can control is how we will use this time of separation. We will either cling to the promise of God in Scripture that when God separates, God then fills and then prepares for the blessing. Or you can just give in to this negativity, this fear, which will ultimately take you further and further away from the presence of God. Will you be like Abraham who trusts God in this time of separation to be filled with His Spirit? You see, to live as citizens of heaven means that we learn to live to the cadence and the rhythm and the beat of a different narrative. You see, as citizens of heaven, we have faith, and faith is the substance of the things we hope for. As citizens of heaven, we look to Genesis 1. We look to the way that God created and ordered the world and speaks order over the chaos. We go to that, to, we go to that narrative because we know that at creation, when God creates all things perfect, is the way that God is going to continue to recreate us and birth the new creation into every single one of you. And so during this time of separation, my encouragement to you 
is for you to allow yourself to be filled with the presence of God. Fill yourself with the good things, with the good presence of God. Because God is preparing you for that new normal, which will be a time of blessing in your life. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so eternally grateful for your blessing and your grace and your love and your providence in our lives. Father, I pray for my friends who are watching that during this time of separation in their lives, that you would show them the evidence of their faith as you fill them with hope, with promise, with faith, and as you prepare them for that new blessing of the new normal. May you allow their faith never to waver. In the name of Jesus, we pray.